Are you familiar with like drag vocabulary yes. and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I always think about like what are you serving? So if you're going to like a gallery opening, like are you serving like Chelsea Art Gallery black and white chic? Then like yeah. great, that's your look that you're serving. Like if you're going like I always that's how I pack for vacations, that's how I get ready for big events. I'm like, what am I serving? That's your mindset. That's my mindset. I need like to start doing you know? that. everyone welcome back to another episode of am i allowed to like anything the podcast that talks to people about their work their lives how they're maintaining their optimism in this world and what they are currently loving in culture right now i'm darian harvin and on this week's episode i have brooke devard on with me i met brooke because i was a guest on her podcast naked beauty where she talks with women of all walks of life about beauty trends, tips, and products. So during the day, she works at Instagram as a product marketing manager, and she's formerly of Viacom, which is when I met her. Uh, Since then, I feel like we've really bonded, I feel, just over the fact that we're both two black girls just trying to thrive and be successful in media. We want to do more than just make it. We really want to make impact. And that's why I really love Brooke. (laughs) Uh, So I talked to Brooke about getting married young, at least by the standard of the other city girls that we know. And I also inform her on everything that she's not missing on dating apps. And of course, I talked to Brooke about her approach to beauty from face care to the entire body, which spoiler alert, it's very DIY. And I'm really excited for you guys just to learn more about Brooke because I just view her as someone who is really able to actually deliver, whether it's through her content um, or through sharing her story on what she values in life. If you love this episode, remember to rate and subscribe. It would really mean the world to me. And after you are finished listening, I really think that you should listen to my episode on Brooke's podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I'm excited to be here. I feel like you're like my sister in skincare. Yes. In just beauty general, also just like New York City living life. Yes, I try. So I'm I'm really excited that you're here. You have an amazing podcast, Naked Beauty, that you have been doing. How long have you been working on your podcast for? Just about a year and a half. I, I started Naked Beauty. I was really reluctant to start it at first, but I started like a year ago and kind of got more serious within the past half year. Mm-hmm. What pushed you to be like, okay, I'm actually going to start doing it? Mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of podcasts way before I started. Like I was listening to like 20 a week. I still listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And my favorite type of podcasts, they're not that popular, but I love the like sitting down in the basement or garage and it was always two guys like I listened to Mark Maron's podcast Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. a lot of male comedians just talk to their friends for an hour and I was feeling like I'd love to hear just two women talk um yeah and I wasn't finding that anywhere and then I just started thinking well maybe I could be the person that facilitated those conversations with women 
And then in terms of defining a topic to talk about, beauty was kind of an obvious one for me because I think it can get so deep so quickly. Yes. And it kind of taps into all of these other areas of who you are and how you grew up and right. your self-esteem and what you've learned from your parents and grandparents. So Exactly. So, okay, let's... I, that's a perfect place to start. Talk to me about how you grew up and what life was like for you growing up. Yeah, so I grew up here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all of these shows now, like Gossip Girl, and I think the author of Gossip Girl went to a very similar all-girls school to the one that I went to. Mm-hmm. It was good in all of the ways that being in an all-girls environment can be good, where right. you have amazing friends. The focus at school is really on your schoolwork. Like, exactly. you're not worried about boys or, like, looking cute for class. But then it was tough in all the ways that being around all women can be tough. So it was competitive and catty at times, um, but I really loved it. Like, I loved the school that I went to, and then just growing up in New York City, I think it forces you to grow up pretty quickly. For sure. Um, But I think it exposes you to a lot of culture, and we didn't mind that we didn't have a backyard. We had Central Park, you know? Yeah. Did you grow up on, like, the Upper West Side? Upper East Side. Upper East Side. Upper East Side. I don't remember if I told you this, but I went to an all-girls school, too. Yeah. Did I tell you that? Did you love it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I always tell people it's, like, where my confidence came from because I never Mm -hmm. had to worry about what boys were thinking. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Of whatever I was doing at that moment. So it was a great place for me to express myself. But okay, well, what's the name of the high school that you went to? It's like a well, Spence, yeah, yeah, it's like a yeah. well-known like high Paltrow school. I went there and Kerry Washington. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I, um, I'm I'm just now thinking about this. You you have a younger brother. Yes, I and brother. you. In, uh, are your parents divorced? Are they together? My parents are together. We had a very like close, tight-knit family. That's nice. Dinner every single night at 7.30, no matter what. Like, that type of family. Yeah. What do you, who do you, what do you feel like you learned? What, what do you kind of take away, like, from your, like, family life? Like, what do you feel like you, take, you took away from it and maybe now you use, like, with your own family, with your husband? Hmm. I think definitely having this priority on family time and putting family first mm-hmm. my parents were both busy they worked a lot but like dinner was always going to happen yeah um and it was definitely like a no devices no interruptions like we're just going to sit and talk as a family I know mm-hmm. some people grow up just like eating in front of the tv for dinner mm-hmm. um so my husband and I we try to be very intentional about like sitting down and having dinner together and yeah making sure that we schedule that quality time otherwise like we're both just so busy it probably wouldn't happen right and was there a huge focus on like career life mm. for you in uh, by your parents? Yes. So my mom was in marketing her whole career. I'm in marketing now, mm-hmm. and my dad was a headhunter, so he did like executive search. So they were very much um, talking about work a lot. They made us be extremely career oriented. I started interning when I was in high school, so like mm-hmm. I didn't even wait until college to do all my internships. So they definitely. Um, made sure that my brother and I were both very intentional about our careers and what we wanted out of our careers, which I th- I'm now realizing that a lot of people don't grow up with that as an example in their household. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful to that, for, yeah. for them for that. And even now thinking about beauty, yes. do you 
when do you feel like your love for skincare from makeup evolved? Like, mm. was it in high school? Like, what was your experience with makeup and with skincare like, yeah. during those fundamental stages? That's a great question. My mom and my grandmother have incredible style. Like, my grandmother is, like, the most stylish woman even today. She's in her 80s and can just dress amazingly. She isn't so big into makeup. Like, she'll do a lip, but she's she her whole life she never really wore makeup. And then my mom's also incredibly stylish, and she just took really good care of her skin. Mm-hmm. And I can remember... I'm sure you probably have similar memories like you know when you go into your mom's like cabinet area and you like try all the creams (laughs) and like don't touch that that's expensive like I just remember her having like La Mer and like all of these really nice skincare products and just like the ritual Mm -hmm. of putting it on seeing her do that and then even when I was younger before I needed to use like anti-aging creams for anything yeah understanding that that was something like to look forward to and Mm. it could be part of like a self-ritual yes the ritual of it is probably what I love the most I think that's why I like skincare so much and why I'm so obsessed with it yeah like making more of a ritual even out of your shower too like now I've started to put eucalyptus in my shower Nice. And I've, I've just been loving it. Um, but okay, so I want to talk a little bit about career stuff, but then I want to get more into like love and life because I like, I just love the fact that you are married. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know what it is, but I just love feeling like I have, I, I and I don't know if you feel this way because like your experience and friend group could be so different than mine. And I just feel like I don't have a lot of friends who are like at least like kind of in my in my vicinity no, in my either. age in my age no. group who are living in New York City, super busy, are like working a job that they enjoy, and they're and they're already married. Yeah, no, it's really insane because I never planned on getting married. Yeah, like most mm-hmm. women, like I was like, okay, when I'm thirty, like maybe, hopefully, like yeah. I'll find someone and get married then. And I was engaged at 24 and married by 25. That is... Insane, yeah. Insane. It's really... And it's, like, very much, like, not... I mean, I think in other parts of the country and certainly in the world, like, getting married at 25 is expected and normal. And normal. But in New York City and, not like, amongst my friend group, I was definitely the first. Yeah. Um, I love being married. Mm-hmm. But it's because I'm not really about the, like late night party crazy lifestyle so I like that my husband and I can just like come home chill like cook dinner like listen to music have a glass of wine it's like it's very much like my speed yeah <laughs> so like I'm happy that I got married young because if I had to like be out here I'd probably be trying to find someone like I don't know I mean I kind of I miss the whole app dating experience that sounds mm-hmm. kind of interesting like there's something I like about the efficiency of that like just kind of like filtering down to like the type of person you want it's not it's, it's not, not that it's not that it seems no. like a fun like gamey like gamified way to date yeah. that like it would have been interesting to experience to experience that okay um, okay but I also think that like the person that you marry is probably like one of the most important decisions that you can make because right. it's so much shapes your career and everything else right. um so I wouldn't have done it unless he was absolutely the right person right so I remember you told me that you met your husband in Turkey or in Istanbul in London. We met, in he's, Lo- so he's from Istanbul we okay. met in London when I was living there and he was living in New York and to even think about getting engaged at 24 like tell me just how you knew that you were ready and like what your circumstances were yeah you know well I was living in London and I had a fabulous job that I like I loved my boss I loved the work that I was doing Mm -hmm. I was making like really interesting content and I wanted to stay in London like I didn't want to leave but then I met him and he lived in New York and things were getting more serious we tried to do long distance like long distance dating is really it's really tough hard without an end date right? right so it's like we can do this until um, 
we didn't have an end date. We were just kind of trying to see each other when we could on weekends in between work. And when it became clear that it was getting more serious, we kind of had to have the discussion about like how serious was serious because I wasn't going to just move back for a boyfriend. Like I wasn't going to like, you know, move out of my apartment or flat as I call it in Mm -hmm. London, like leave my job. Like I wasn't going to do that for some guy I was dating. I think some women may have felt comfortable doing that and Mm -hmm. taking a risk. I would do it for my fiance, not for a boyfriend. So when it became clear that we wanted to actually spend more time together and live in the same city, um, that's, did you say to him, like, I would do it if I were engaged or if I felt like there was a more, more of a solid future or? I think I, I didn't say it in specific terms, but I definitely right. hinted at it. Yeah. Um, and, but when, by the time he actually proposed, I was shocked. I was like, I didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't know it was coming. I was right. like, totally surprised. Like, I thought it was going to maybe happen yeah. later. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I told you that I want, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about this. I wanted to talk about what your experience, not like, or I, I want to talk about your experience, like having an inter, like being in an interracial mm. relationship, but more of like how, you, how you have dealt with it from other people. Right. Because like, this is your relationship. Like this is your person. Mm-hmm. You love them. Did you come from a family that was okay and accepting of that? Like, how did your friends perceive that? How did other people perceive that? Were you growing up expecting to date a, 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 a certain man from a certain race? Or was it just kind of like you were open, you know? All interesting questions. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, no, asked, no, no. I asked five questions No, it's good. It's good. Have you ever been in an interracial relationship? No. Never. No. It's interesting. In terms of, like, expectations, I think that my parents just wanted me to find someone who loved me and that Mm -hmm. was ambitious so I don't think they put a lot of expectations on me to like marry a black man I mean we were certainly like in Jack and Jill and all the like black people things (laughs) um and you know I'm sure they hoped that I would meet someone but I don't think they they didn't say like you know you have to marry a black man okay in terms of my friends I mean I grew up in a like definitely predominantly white environment um so from a statistics standpoint it was like very probable Mm -hmm. that I could end up with someone of a different race. Um, In terms of how other people perceive us, I don't, I'm not aware of it. I don't think about it. In terms of how we relate to each other being interracial, we have like so much beyond just being of different races. Like he's not from America. English is his second language. Oh my gosh, it's it's beyond even like... He's 11 years older than me. So we're like intergenerational, interracial, intercultural. Like we have worlds of difference on so many different levels but it's actually really cool because we kind of educate each other on a lot Mm. of things Um, and I think that because he's not from this country especially when it comes to discussing matters of race he's more just um, kind of like in awe and shocked and horrified because like they don't learn about American slavery right right so like even when we went to the African-American museum in DC have you been yes it's incredible it's incredible very moving Mm. And of course, like now we've been together for a long time. So he's seen, I mean, he's familiar with slavery. Um, but he was just like, I can't believe what people, what black people in this country have been through. Right. And I think every month, week that we're together, he starts to understand more and more. Wow. What black Americans specifically have to go through. Right. Even like even today, like to kind of to be at a place where you didn't grow up here, but to and to have someone who has not only a better understanding of that, but, like, has lived with some of that or has lived with with, with some kind of experience of, like, facing racism at, at some point in their life, like, that 
I love how you say it's 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 race, but it's also intergenerational. Yeah. It's intercontinental. Yeah. So, yeah. and even like the intergenerational stuff is interesting because like think like little things will come up where like I realize that he's not familiar with some of my references, <laughs> and I'm like like uh, Aaliyah came up and he was like who's like I don't know who Aaliyah and I was like I just you don't know who Aaliyah is like I just couldn't wrap my brain around that he was like. Like, was she, like, popular internationally? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, for me, she was this huge, big pop star. And right. he was like, she never made it over to Turkey. And, like, I just don't know who that is. And I was like... <laughs> like, so, so unbothered, like... Yeah. But now he's, like, introduced him. He loves. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, been, it's also been, like, really cool, like, introducing him to black culture. And I've learned a lot about Turkish culture. So we go to Istanbul, like, every year. I've, like, traveled to other parts of Turkey. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, a... It's an interesting cultural exchange. But we do always talk about the fact that we will raise black children, you know? Right. Like they will be perceived, you know, they won't be fully black, but they will be perceived, perceived as black. As black yeah. um, and so he needs to continue to be aware of kind of what black people face here. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your job and how you got it, because I think always think that's really important for people to hear. Yes. And let's start there. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm um, at Viacom doing digital marketing, and... The team that I'm on now is an entirely like new team. So even when I reached out to apply, I think there were only like two people on the team. Like they were really just like building it out. So I was really attracted to the position because there wasn't like a we've done things this way for yes. the past however many years or this is the way that we traditionally approach things and we need you to come in and do this. There was so much white space. So they wanted to launch a digital publication aimed at trade audiences, so aimed at marketers or content creators or people kind of in the entertainment slash marketing field. Um, it's called Be by Viacom, which when I first joined, it was like just me working on it. <laughs> and I had to like launch the site. Obviously, we had an agency support right. and I had budget to pay writers. But it was like a lot of late nights and hard work mm-hmm. and just kind of a very much like learning as I went. Yes. And learning how hard it was to actually like run and launch a full scale like digital publishing platform right um but it turned out to be very successful like we won a content marketing award for like best new b2b digital publication so in the end i think it turned out good but when i first joined that was like my the first thing i was tasked with and it was really difficult yeah um now we have an editorial director who's come in and i sort of work on all of our like brand and social campaigns across platforms as well as um, helping on some site launches. Yeah. What do you hope, where do you see yourself career-wise, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years from now, or do you feel, like, I very much feel like I have no years, no wow. idea what that looks like, right? Because, like, my job didn't even exist. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think that the, the thread that I see through all of the positions that I've had, because I've worked in fashion, I've worked in mobile, and now I'm working in entertainment, is that I'm really interested in storytelling, mm-hmm. but storytelling in a way that impacts the overall business goals, so not just like making a cool video because it's cool, but right. because you want to shift perception of how millennials see your brand, or because you want to raise awareness amongst women in their 20s in this part of the world, right? Yeah. And then figuring out the right content and the right story to tell to reach that audience. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I'm passionate about, and I think that whatever the platforms are, whatever the company is, I think that's something that I can continue to do. Continue to do. Um, Okay, that's great. I'm going to ask you a question that you ask people on your podcast. Yes, please. (laughs) Tell me about your approach to beauty. Yes, so I am all about natural skincare products and products that you can actually make at home because there's this whole 
industry around natural products that's just like, I think it's BS. It's certainly abusive in terms of what they're expecting people to pay for like an organic cold pressed argan oil that you can literally order online or right. drunk elephant. They have like a, I think they call it something, their marula oil, but it's just marula oil that's right. in the serum, like which you can buy. So I've been very intentional about sourcing the products that um, are being marketed to me, but getting them like directly from the source. And then also I love trying new skincare stuff, but I'll like go as far as looking on the back and seeing what the mix of oils they used are and just going and getting those oils. Yes, you talked to me about that. Yeah, and you start to realize trends. Like, okay, a lot of people are using like apricot oil or a lot of people are using almond oil or a lot of people are using avocado oil and you can sort of begin to see what your skin likes and reacts to and then just make your own mm. skincare products right um i think you have to do a lot of trial and error er- yeah trial and error but a lot of people aren't willing to do that so yeah. they're like i don't like how long do you feel like you try a, a blend of oils or maybe one oil to the point where it's like okay now i can understand how this is affecting my face like how long do you feel like it, it's taken for you So when I make something new, I try to use it in isolation for a week, and then like based on how things go that week, I can say if it's effective or not, or if I have to add more of something else. Yeah, yeah. Something I've been thinking so much about, like as I just continue to think about the kind of like skincare content that I want to make, even on even on my own Instagram, is being really conscious of like how a, of how a product actually affects me but then also what's in it too oh my god you know yeah like I mean, both skin's your things. largest organ right so anything you're putting on your skin is being directly absorbed into your body and into your bloodstream mm-hmm. so i mean i don't use commercial like lotions or anything anymore obviously what do you use um i use my own whipped shea butter which oh but it's so Love it. but it's so easy to make like i yeah. think that people are intimidated it would be like if you never cooked in your life and you only ate at restaurants or ordered food mm-hmm. and then you had to rely on I think that so many people have that approach to skincare like they're yes. basically haven't learned how to cook right but then once you know how to do it you realize that it's actually not that intimidating and scary so even for like whipped shea butter I just take coconut oil um depending on what kind of mood I'm in I'll use like moringa oil any oil avocado oil castor oil and shea butter and shea butter is like hard so I put it into a mason jar and then I put it into like a thing of boiling water it all melts down Mm -hmm. wait for it to cool a little bit and then you just like whip it either with like an electric whipper if you want it to be that really soft fluffy thing or you can just do it with a fork and then I add in essential oils so I'll add in like ginger oil or lavender or palo santo or whatever however I want it to smell right and yeah that lasts me like three months I need to start doing this yeah I just like, made, what is wrong with me? Yeah, I just made an eye cream, and it's great because it's an like... An eye cream! Oh, my god! Yeah, gosh. and eye creams usually have water in them, which makes your the skin under your eyes feel hydrated at first, but mm-hmm. ultimately it just kind of, like, dries out the skin. Right. So you can do amazing things with, like, primrose oil. I mean, there's so much that you can do and has been done for, like, centuries before it was all co-opted by the beauty industry. Right. Um, and I'm really, like, passionate about teaching women those things, and... I, I see a whole like business model there. Like, I know. I was going to ask you, like, have you ever thought about you? Have you wanted to sell products, or have you thought further about like how you could extend, um, even like what you do in your podcast to like educate people? Mm. You know, different extensions of like creating the, like a community around that. Yeah, I mean, I have like a whole business deck and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me right now, the struggle is you know, between kind of nurturing my career in corporate, um, where I've had a lot of great opportunities and 
then knowing that if I'm going to really go out and do something on my own, like, I want it to be right. right. Like, I can't... Right. I think I can get away with having a podcast. Like, Naked Beauty is fantastic, but, mm-hmm. you know, I can definitely do it within the realm of working. I can record after work. I edit yeah. on the weekends. Right. That's doable, but in terms of, like, creating a whole product line the way that I would want it to be done, yeah. I don't foresee myself being able to do it with a full-time job. Yeah, I feel um, you. But it's definitely... It's, like, there in the background and right. something that I... I I want to work towards. Yes. And when the moment is right, you'll know it. Yes. Well, apparently that's what people tell me. (laughs) You you knew like when you were ready to leave, you were like, this is it. Yeah. I felt, it felt so right. And I also got sick of putting myself in this cycle of working for a place, feeling stuck, um, leaving when I wasn't ready. So like getting really nervous and putting myself back in the situation of working for, working for at a big company again. So now it's more about, I don't think that financially I was fully prepared to leave. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have, I, I didn't have a lot of money saved Did up at all. Did you have six months salary saved up? No, no, no at all. To be completely Wasn't honest. was stressful? I don't even, I don't, I don't even know how I would make that happen. Like yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure I could figure it out. Financial literacy is actually something that has literally been a life lesson and a life practice. Like since college, for me, it's mm. been a lot of trial and error. Yeah. But I think that what I ended up just like uh, getting really good at was understanding how to tap into money mm. and like understand. Like even for me, I think like to make money within media, you can do that right now. Like there's a lot of money to be made in media right now, but you have to be you have to be positioned correctly in and you have to have the right interest for it and you have to know the right people and I think that's like kind of across the board for many different industries mm-hmm. but because I knew I didn't have a lot of money saved up so I worked I worked overtime and in advance to make sure that like I had I had the opportunities I needed whether yeah. it was consulting or part-time freelancing yeah. before I left and now I just like feel like I know how to make money yeah. so it's okay that's good yeah that's good yeah, 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 yeah. to figure that out so, this is the favorite part of my podcast, the plus one segment. Talk to me about a person, place, thing, experience that you're loving right now. Ooh, okay. Can I give two? Yes, please. So, Viceland, do you watch Viceland at all? No, I, I don't know why. I don't know why well, this, I don't watch Vice, period. This is on YouTube, okay. the first episode. It's this new series called My House about the drag ball scene in New York. <gasps> and, like, I loved Paris is Burning. That's, like, oh, my favorite my, film of all time. I need time. to watch this But this is, like, a 2018 version. Yes. It's so good. What makes it so good? Just the personalities from all of the houses, all the different categories. Like, I always think... It's so hard sometimes to get dressed. So I always think about like, are you familiar with like drag vocabulary yes. and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. So I always think about like, what are you serving? So if you're going to like a gallery opening, like are you serving like Chelsea art gallery, black and white chic? Then like, yeah. great, that's your look that you're serving. Like if you're going, like I always, that's how I pack for vacations. That's how I get ready for big events. I'm like, what am I serving? That's your mindset. That's my mindset. I need like, to start doing you know? that. And, and I think that the way that, a lot of like drag queens approach self-presentation is actually really inspiring because it's entirely self-created and it's like as long as I serve this they will buy it so it's not just what you're wearing it's like how you serve it and present so like I just I love the culture of drag and I think the show is incredible obviously RuPaul's Drag Race on Viacom is amazing as well Um, and then the other thing that I'm really into now that's I think kind of surprising is I've been getting into all of the like I'm old, so for me, they're, like, the young SoundCloud rappers, but, like, I love, like, Takashi 69 like, Rich the Kid. Do like you? Black Youngster. Love. Oh! Love. Because... 
this is what I realized. I realized that I've been listening to podcasts of just like old people talking and like I was getting soft. Like I was not. <laughs> I was getting soft. And I love working out in the morning. So like I just like put on like really aggressive, like the more aggressive, the better hip hop and just yeah. like go in and it makes like it sets the tone for the whole day. So when people are like, oh, I hate mumble rap, you're like, I kind of love it. Yeah, I kind of love it. Like. It's hard to put on Lil Pump and, like, not feel right. excited. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And I also just realized that I was becoming sort of out of touch with what was happening and, like, these new young voices. And it, it, it's a lot. The face tattoos and the drugs. It's, like, it's a lot. What is even going on here? But I've just started listening to the music, and I actually, like, really, really like it. That's amazing. I really like it. I, you've, like, kind of inspired me to, to like, to, to dig a little deeper into it. My whole thing is, like, I've, I've loved hip-hop pretty much for my entire yeah. life. And it's not that I don't like a lot of the new artists, it's that I feel like I'm just experiencing new music and new sound that's oh, that's away from from like what we're seeing now in hip hop and I've to- and I've really been enjoying it. You know. That's true. I mean there's like, so very- much like actually like quality music for like adults out right. Like Janelle Monáe's new album is like phenomenal. Incredible. It's incredible. I can listen to that like on repeat. But I I don't know there's something about hearing from like younger voices and they're very problematic. Okay, so my plus one is the company Shower Cap. Oh my gosh, I'm actually interviewing Jackie in two weeks, the founder. Okay, so full disclosure, I met Jackie like through Instagram, Amazing. and I actually do like some like some consulting for them. Oh, that's great. But before that, I had already been a fan of, of Shower Cap. Yeah, their stuff is beautiful. Their stuff is beautiful, but um, I just love this idea of taking this like really crappy like plastic shower cap and and being like all women deserve better oh my gosh you know yeah and it's really made me just think like working with them has just made me think about how we don't talk about our different experiences like with shower caps like to me I just kind of always assumed the way that women were I I knew the way that that black women were wearing them and how often and like and like what in like that Mm -hmm. connection to our community but not other kinds not other races of women or other areas or or climates and so it's been really fun to like dig into that um but I just think that it's an awesome product I it's a great gift it that you could give to someone who like because we they say that 90% of women wear shower caps yeah. Oh my gosh, definitely. And I was watching the company really closely because I wanted to create a line of uh, hair wraps for black women because mm-hmm. I'm like, what is even going on with the like silk bonnet market? And like, why don't we have better? <laughs> right. And so when it launched, I was watching it really closely. And then over the past year, I've just been watching them grow and grow and grow and seeing that there's a real market for it. Yes. I think, yeah, she's done an amazing job. Yes. So shout out to Shower Cab, shout out to Jackie, shout out to all the girls on that team, all, all men and all people on that team. So... Um, that's my plus one. Brooke, this was so great. I felt like this was such an efficient but in-depth conversation. Okay, good, good. I'm glad that <laughs> I feel like we covered everything. It's yeah. been so much fun, and I'm a long-time listener of the show, so thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was, the honor was mine. Yay. Thank you for listening to Am I Allowed to Like Anything? This episode is hosted by me, Darian Harvin, and produced by Jason Crow. If you loved this episode, give the podcast a follow on Instagram at Am I Allowed? Until next time. Thank you.